0: The world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that deny God. As such, we need Thinking Christian to become as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian podcast. I'm Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological discussions, Thinking Christian highlights the ways God is working in the world and questions the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that hinder Christians from becoming more like Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey everyone, welcome back to this part two of our conversation about does religion have a place in government. This episode is going to start with a little bit of a replay from the previous episode just to give some continuity, and then Aline and I are going to finish out our conversation regarding does religion have a place in government. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Take care. Enjoy. This statement, religion has no place in government, I would actually tend to be in stronger agreement than disagreement with it.
1: Uh
0: Not in the sense that I think Christians shouldn't participate in government. I don't have any issue with Christians holding office. I don't have any issues with Christian voting or any of that. Right. But I do think that the two realms, in order to remain distinct, religion cannot play the political game on the world's terms. And, and I think that's a crucial point on the yes. world's terms. If we're playing yes. on the world's terms, we're really mm-hmm. no longer the church because mm-hmm. the church does not play games on anyone else's terms other than God. Mm-hmm. It, it makes us disagreeable people, kind, compassionate, you know, all of those different things, but also very disagreeable. We're yes. going to rub against people. And that's mm-hmm. what I think it means to be salt and light. Yes. So, there, yeah, that's, the, that's how we, I think about it
1: there's a reason the largest church in the world is on the ground in China, because there's a point to which they tell, they tell the government that is killing, that killed 50 million people, actually, right? To that government, they're saying, yeah, but, you know, we're going to stay with Jesus. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a limit to which we're not going to really abide by the, the government's, um, the, the state religion, all that, because we really love Jesus. There, there's power there. I, I want to make two observations here, because... These conversations are really important. They're important to me, but I think they're important for a whole generation and important for somebody that is really thinking through their own wrestling with, with these concepts. Can we move the conversation forward? One is the matter of the, lar- the longest chapter in the book of John, John chapter six, um, it's like verse 68. Something happens over there is fascinating to me where Jesus has 70 disciples and he starts talking all kinds of things. And he's saying, "You need to drink my blood. You have to eat my flesh." And all those people were like, "You know what? Double tap. We're out of here. <laughs> like this is this this is too much." And then he turns to the twelve, and he was like, "Aren't you going?" And and Peter looks at him and was like, "Where?" <laughs> and Peter makes a statement, which is very powerful because uh, I, in that moment, everything that that Peter would have done through the, the remaining of the story. I think it's absolved just by the statement that is made. It's like, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then he said, we have come to believe, we have actually come to the realization, to the belief that you are from God, that you are God. And in putting that in perspective, so to hold that belief as a Christian, that basically... Jesus has the words of eternal life in another place in the New Testament said he spoke like one that had power we are sometimes either drunk or afraid of power there's there's drunk with power afraid of power and yet even in, you mentioned in the previous uh, podcast we talked about um, uh, government uh, and, and the world of government and all that and I highly recommend that that discussion um, that Jesus said I have the the authority the entire authority was given to me right when I think it's such a minimizing factor to to really try to shove religion and christianity into government like it fits there and if you do that you give it legitimacy (laughs) Right. right it's such it's such a minimizing of even peter's broken understanding of the fact that jesus has the words of eternal life that basically in him you'll find something that you don't find in the monopoly game that no good political speech, doesn't matter how great it is, come any comes anywhere close to that. And I'll make a second observation, with your permission. For me, I got stuck, and I constantly go back to John chapter three. Out of that conversation, and this is one one of the things that I love about our theology of worship, comes from Jesus talking to a woman of the well. Our our theology of salvation comes from Jesus talking to a Pharisee named Nicodemus, having a late night conversation. And from that, we have John 3.16 tattooed on our faces in a game day and being the, the number one verse in the world, translated everywhere, from one late night conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. But that conversation is fascinating to me, and it ties directly into what we talk about today. Because Nicodemus comes to Jesus late at night in a time when it was the highest, I would say, if you look in the history of the world, the highest um, um, human experience in three areas. You have the highest human experience in terms of the temple, the religiousness. I don't think there's ever been a more complex temple than the Jewish temple. So the religious aspect of it, the highest gain. You have the Roman Empire, which has never, I don't think there's ever been a more robust empire than the Roman Empire in terms of organization, glory, the glory of Rome, all that craziness. And you have the highest form of philosophy right now in America, and all the world. We still study the philosophers that are contemporary or just a little bit about uh, around Jesus's time. Yeah. So Nicodemus is sitting at the at the foothill of the largest, most complex empire in the world and government form of government in the world America still organized like the a woman empire to this day he's sitting at the foot of the temple the most complex religious system ever known to humanity and he's sitting on the the foothill of the philosophy the highest form of philosophy we still teach our children right now about Plato and all those guys and yet he's saying not enough he comes out at night and comes to Jesus I was like I have some questions and he becomes such a devout religious person, we found him again buying Jesus' tomb, basically sacrificing himself. So for me, looking at what the world has to offer, what the governments, what the philosophy, what all these have to offer, they really truly pale in comparison with what Jesus has to offer when you actually fully you de- fully dedicate yourself to, to the kingdom.
0: It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now.
1: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply, available to U.S. addresses only. Yeah, it's an an important point because, well, I think it's it's really important point because, um, number one, we, you know, I've said this before, Christians are the only one who can, are the only people who can proclaim the gospel. And so if we start to dilute Mm -hmm. that message, uh, we really Mm -hmm. do short uh what we're doing for the world and i i think this is something that many christians may not think through a hundred percent but what i would say is when we're when we're building up the body of christ when we are becoming disciples right strengthening our own spiritual growth that is to some degree for us it's for the church it's to glorify god it's all those things Mm -hmm. It's also for the world's sake. Yes. And I think that's the part we miss, that Mm -hmm. us becoming the church, us becoming Mm -hmm. more the church, becoming uh, increasingly conformed to the image of Christ is not simply something that benefits us. Mm -hmm. It's actually for the world. Mm -hmm. The world needs to see it. Yes, yes. And so to tie ourselves in to what God has established. An appropriate thing that God has established. The state is not trivial. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think um I don't want people to hear us saying that. The state isn't <laughs> trivial. Not at all. It's absolutely crucial. God has established yes. it for a very particular purpose. Yes. I just happen to think that we often expand the scope of the state mm-hmm. beyond what God has intended. Uh And so we, you know, God has given it a a certain degree of authority and we tend to do this. We say, well, if God has given it this authority, then we need to expand that authority and give it this amount, this amount of authority. (laughs) And it's like, no, if God's given (laughs) us this amount of authority, that's the amount of authority it has. And so why are Uh we giving it more? And so the point is the state has its place. Those governing authorities have their place. Uh But their place is is not in the church. And I don't think that the church's place is with necessarily the governing authorities. And and again, when I say that, I'm not saying Christians shouldn't participate in government. What I am saying is that when we start to mix and intermingle those two categories, church and state, church and religion, we get into some very sticky problems that I don't really think we want to get into. And so I think the other side of that, Aline, the other thing I would say to your comments is, um, you know, Philippians, or not Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 12 through about 19, um, 1 Peter 2, right, specifically 2, 9, Um, you have this piling up of political terms that are then applied to the church, Mm -hmm. right? Peter calls the church a chosen nation uh, or a chosen race, a holy nation, um, a people of God's own possession, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Ephesians 2 talks about um, the separation of the Gentiles from the Commonwealth of Israel Mm -hmm. and the uh, engrafting in of the Gentiles so that they are now citizens alongside God's chosen people. And that they have become not only uh, citizens, but Mm -hmm. also members of the household, of the economia of God. And that that phrase household is not like I live in a house, Mm -hmm. right? The household was considered sort of a, um, not exactly a political unit, but it wasn't exactly just a family either. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing is, I think, this piling up of terms with regard to the church that the church is in and of itself a political entity. And and that as we're exercising Christ's authority, not again through the political means of the world, but through discipleship, what we are doing and what we're trying to do is draw people out of, um, it's very similar, like I've come to think of it like the call of Abraham. Abraham is in a settled nation and God calls him to sojourn right? Trust me, come away from your established land and sojourn with me. We have a very similar call to non-Christians. We're saying, look, we know you think you're part of this American system. Come sojourn with us. We're not actually part of that system, right? Come sojourn with us. Come be a part of our community. Come be a part of our, our political community. And again, in saying that, I I think the real root problem of some of the Christian nationalism that I'm seeing is that it has a militance to it. And to me, Christianity is not about militance. It's about martyrdom. We are to be faithful to God, even when the consequences mean death. And so Christian nationalism seems like what it wants is it wants to shift the power around a little bit. So that um, Christians or um, people who believe the same thing as Christian nationalists, right, uh-huh. are now in charge and can order society such that, um, and my sort of tongue-in-cheek way of putting this is, so that we can um, be comfortable with the sinfulness of the world, right? We're uncomfortable with abortion, but we may not be so uncomfortable with greed, right? And so uh, let's maximize the economy, but eliminate abortion. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I yes. mean, on some level, I like if we could get rid mm-hmm. of uh, all abortion. Great. Fine. Um, maybe I would live with greed. But I'm not sure that that's the end goal that we should be shooting for. Right. It, it suggests an ordering of loves, which I think is an appro- appropriate thing. Right. But it doesn't suggest an end Right, mm-hmm. our utopian dream cannot be um, unceasing prosperity through um, capitalist economics, but no abortion. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the that's the wrong utopia. <laughs> right, uh, and, and so uh, and that's not a shot at capitalism at all. Right, it's just it it's to underscore a point that the church is not that, mm-hmm. and, and the kingdom of heaven is not that. And so when we when we depend on those mechanisms to lead us to the promised land, we are inevitably Mm -hmm. not going to end up in the promised land that we have that we are anticipating. Right. Mm -hmm. The only way into the promised land is to follow Jesus. He is not only the source of our salvation. He is the way, the truth and the life, the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. In in the way that he lived, so must we live. Yes. Yes. And so there's a discipline and a discipleship mm-hmm. that is required for us to live as Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of my thoughts on this. I, I think, you know, as we consider religion involved in government, that is my big concern, I think, is that all of a sudden, where, where maybe the intention is for government to serve religion or to sit underneath You know, the authority of religion, for religion to call balls and strikes on, let's say, you know, moral issues or issues of justice and things like that. What I tend to see happen is that religion will be corrupted by state concerns because the state has no real choice but to be anxious about what people will wear and what people will eat. Whereas Christians are called not to be anxious about those things, but to seek first the yes. kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so yes. there is a mismatch here. Mm-hmm. And again, not to trivialize the state, God has established it for a reason, but it's different. Yes. And, and so pulling these two things that are very different together and suggesting a fusion between them, I think mm-hmm. is way wrongheaded.
1: I, uh, I, I agree strongly. So I, I am... I often refer to the Roman empire and and I know it sounds like yeah. I'm a broken record, but I do because um, I'm Romanian and we come from the Romans. We got, we got, <laughs> uh, you know, we got taken over by the Roman empire um, 2000 some years ago. So, um, but, but there's a strong lesson to be learned. There's a strong lesson to be learned. So the Roman empire three in, in 313, the Emperor Constantine issued the Edict of Milan which accepted Christianity and made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. What's what's fascinating to me is that that, that move is attributed to to the to the fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> the Roman Empire really conflating the two of of Christianity and the Empire, it's it's one is deemed to destroy the other if you actually put them on top of each other. Yeah, One is deemed to swallow and, and completely devour the other one. And that's why our conversation does take a dimension of, of importance and reality on the fact that um, are, we, are we comfortable with a concept that when we actually want religion and government to actually be mingled in such a way that you can't untangle them, one will devour the other, that one will actually eat the power of the other, right? What's fascinating to me is that, so you have 313, but in 380, the emperor Theodosius issued the the Edict of Thessalonica, which made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, Christianity the official religion. What I loved about that move, so they said uh, Christianity is the official religion, but the Nicene Christianity.
0: It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply, available to U.S. addresses only. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org/backslash/thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only.
1: And they immediately, they immediately um, named heretics everybody that was not Nicene <laughs> in their right. approach, and started t- taking their properties and and actually like killing people who were not and they were deemed heretics. So yeah. now with the new found power. <laughs> Right. With the new devoured power, they're saying whoever is not this flavor of religion is outside of the state.
0: Yeah.
1: How, what, what, a, what a massive problem. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think we're far removed from that reality in America. If this becomes ever yeah. a reality where America will actually accept a type of religion to be the religion of state besides civil religion. Yeah, I would really be concerned about everybody else.
0: Well, I think you're probably right to be concerned about everybody else, because I think in the best instances, you know, you have, uh, let's say, Constantine and Charlemagne, who also within the history of the world have uh, sort of proclaimed a Christian empire. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the best reading, the most generous reading of what they did is that they uh, helped to facilitate the flourishing of the church. Right. Instead of mandating, coercing people to be Christian, they tried to clear space. Again, this is the most generous reading, I think. They tried to clear space to allow the church to flourish. And, you know, to some degree, I think that's an appropriate way of thinking about part of what the state could do Um, is that, you know, maybe instead of, you know, voting along party lines and, and issues and those kind of things, maybe what we should be thinking about is, you know, Uh, or at least one of the things we should be thinking about is how does a particular political regime um, position itself vis-a-vis the church? Mm -hmm. Um, That said, uh, I think that right now what we're sitting in is uh, a polarized environment Mm -hmm. where people are either right or wrong. There isn't a lot of room for gray areas. And so it does seem to lend itself to this moment where you're either right or wrong. You're either going to be on the wrong side of history or on the right side of history. (laughs) And there's going to be some sort of arbitrary um, tribunal of people. And -hmm. I don't really care. I I mean, I could be on that tribunal and I would still think it was a bad idea. Right. (laughs) Um, Because I I think anyone who sits above and tries to decide and call balls and strikes on what is, and what is not uh, appropriate and maybe heretical versus orthodox uh we're entering mm-hmm. into a new situation where the coercive power of the state is now combined with a uh religious force and authority and in combining those two what you get is a monster mm-hmm. um you get mm-hmm. basically the worst parts of revelation yes uh-huh. yes and, and and so you know you think through revelation 12 and 13 right where you have the two beasts and the 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 second beast um forces people to bow down to the first beast Mm -hmm. this is i think in my reading of revelation Mm -hmm. the odd combination of civil and religious authority Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and so you know we want to be careful how we Mm -hmm. think about these issues i i don't know that people are are sitting back twisting their mustaches and petting their cats you know um and 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 trying to be evil about all of this But I think that good intentions uh, often Mm -hmm. pave the way to really negative consequences. And we should be consulting the word of God, trying to understand it as well as possible, recognizing, Mm -hmm. I think, that the church and the state are really, truly separate entities, whether we want to combine them or not. Mm -hmm. The church and the state are always going to be separate because God has established them as such.
1: As such, And so
0: in reality, they are separate in our Mm -hmm. experience, we may try to merge them. Mm -hmm. That's our mistake. And and I think that'll have problems. So ultimately I think, you know, maybe we're, we're probably agreeing. um, It sounds Mm -hmm. like we're agreeing that, you know, religion, (laughs) if we're thinking about this statement, religion has no place in government. Would you agree, Eileen, that if we rephrase this to say, um, religion has no voice with government. In other words, religion should have no influence over government. That we would both disagree with that.
1: Yes. Also, I would say uh, uh, the government is filled with religious
0: people. Yeah, and and I think because that's really yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, can't I can't separate think, the fact that that is the reality—the government form of people.
0: Right, and, and I think so that's really the. Religion, yeah. I think that's really the kicker here is that you know if we think about it in terms <laughs> of should religion have some sort of a voice with the government should it have um, the ability to speak truth to power? Obviously, <clears throat> right. Uh, I mean, I think we can. Yes. Uh, you know. That is something that we can agree with. Uh-huh. But I would also say, you know, sort of and this is yeah. um to project, we're gonna do some um uh we're gonna have some folks on who are familiar with the Barman Declaration that the Confessing Church made during World War Two when the uh-huh. German Evangelical Church sided with the Nazis. Um, uh, the uh-huh. Confessing Church came along and wrote uh-huh. up the Barman Confession and basically said, No, um, we really can't endorse the Nazis because We're the church and that means something. And and I think that where we're at with Christian nationalism is something of a similar place. And I'm not comparing Christian nationalists to Nazis. Don't hear me saying that. Mm -hmm. But um, this sort of merger and fusion of the church and state is Mm -hmm. um, oddly similar to what the Barman Declaration Mm -hmm. was addressing, which is basically saying nothing about the atrocities of Nazi Germany. They were Mm -hmm. simply saying something about the atrocity of the church fusing with government and setting aside its god-given responsibilities as church yes yes
1: and it doesn't have to be the it doesn't have to be um you know ending up into a genocide or into a holocaust right but it's still already detrimental to a point that um we really will never see the side effects of doing that That's the ripple right. effects on the end of the court. Yes.
0: Well, very good, man. I I think um, we've kind of addressed this statement, um, religion has no place in government, with which many Christian nationalist adherents disagreed. What I would say is that I tend to agree with it, um, with the qualification that religion needs to have a place to speak to government, almost a prophetic function that calls government Mm -hmm. and reminds government, both in word and deed, I think in its very presence, Mm -hmm. it reminds government that it is under God's authority and that everything it's doing is provisional, temporal, and uh, that it is really incapable and and ultimately Mm -hmm. not called to address some of those deeper Mm -hmm. spiritual issues. That is the realm of the church. And so... um, Yes, I...
1: Totally agree with that.
0: So yes. as we as we kind of close out these discussions, this will be the last of the discussions we do on the Neighborly Faith Report, I just think, you know, overall, where I stand with Christian nationalism is um, there can't really truly be, to, to suggest that there should be a fusion between church and state is to deny the institutions that God has established. Yes, um, yes. I think that if the church There's is going to influence... Yeah. And I think if the church is going to influence American government, it has to do that as the church, Mm -hmm. as separate from the American government. Um, But um, as citizens in a democracy, we Mm -hmm. certainly have the opportunity, right? And I think it is appropriate for us to think about how we participate in that American democracy. But I think as we'll, we'll discuss a little bit in different episodes later, I would argue that that uh, decision-making process Mm -hmm. um, as to go back to analogy we used shouldn't take place on the monopoly board. It should take place uh, before we decide to play monopoly.
1: Yes, I agree that this, this is a great journey for me. Also a a journey of discovery. I'm very thankful for these conversations. And as I, as I learn even more and as I observe more about what does it mean to be an American, what does it mean to be a Christian, and what does it mean to be a Christian in America? Yeah. Um, but one one thing that I appreciate it is: are am I? What's the foundation from which I say? Am I a Christian getting involved in religious aspects, or am or, or am I an American? Actually, like what what's first? What is the foundation from which I analyze yeah.
0: things? Yeah, so
1: thank you thank you for this
0: conversation yeah we're always i think we we can leave the conversation here we are always christian first yes always christian first if we're going to be disciples of christ we have to be christian first and that really does mean that we think about these things differently than just along Mm -hmm. red or blue political lines so yes and empire's (laughs) coming that's right well thanks aline for being part of these conversations and uh thanks y'all for listening um, hopefully you come back for the next episode of Thinking Christian and uh, take a, You know, check out our website, uh, UsefulToGod.com. Uh, it's UsefulToGod.com. There's other resources and things there that you can check out. Um, and also check out my forthcoming book. Um, I've got a book coming out called Serpents and Doves, and it covers a lot of the ground that we're uh, talking about today. It's on Christians, politics, and bearing witness uh, in the world. And so I just encourage you to check out that book. It should be out by February. So uh, take a look That's for that. Exciting. Yeah. But until the next episode, uh, have fun, enjoy life, and uh, don't go insane over U.S. politics. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Just want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
1: equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe.